Welcome along to the Loftcast. I'm Paul Morrissey. I'm joined by Club Ambassador Andy Sinton. And I'm also joined by my media colleague Dave Scriven. There's plenty for us to get through this week. We're going to be looking back on that defeat at Norwich. Don't worry, it's only our first one. A late, late victory against Hull City. A midweek cup exploits against local rivals Brentford. And also looking ahead to Saturday's trip to table-topping Cardiff City. We're also going to be having a catch-up with this fella. QPR with the set piece, they've been prolific from set pieces so far this season. It's nodded it down, still might break for new. It does break for new, and that's a great finish. And QPR take the lead. Well, Andy, David, thanks for joining us. Um, there's plenty to discuss, plenty to get through, which is just uh, typical of August when you're in the championship, I suppose. Uh, but let's go through it in chronological order and start with the uh, the trip to Carrow Road, Norwich City. It's not our best hunting ground to be honest and uh, it didn't prove to be much better for us this time around uh, certainly a far more encouraging performance than the last time we were there at the tail end of last season a 2-0 defeat against Norwich on this occasion but yet again since a very encouraging start to the game which has almost become the what we expect now from Ian Holloway's QPR yeah first half was uh, was good you know the way we started the game uh, the tempo we play at uh, took the initiative, certainly pegged Norwich back in the in the opening periods of the game. Uh, the longer the half went on, they, as you would expect, came into it a little bit. But you know, you go in a half time, really, really pleased. I was on commentary. I said, Ollie will go in, delighted with what he's seen. Uh, you know, it's nip and tuck. There's nothing in the game. So, uh, so yeah, it's a it's a pleasing aspect about all managers say to the teams, you know, let's start quick, let's start uh, fast, let's start, you know, get in their faces and take the uh, initiative. Um, and we've certainly done that in all the games so far. What was disappointing is that, again, we concede straight after half-time. And Ian Holloway spoke about it afterwards. He said, that's something we need to look at. It's something we need to address why we're doing that. But it's true, having started the, the first half so well again, it was uh, just, was it slow out of the blocks? I don't know, but as I say, uh, you, you've just said, uh, you know, it happened at Sheffield Wednesday. It's a really key um, time of the game, if you like, is that half-time break. You know, you come down, you're, you're sitting in the dressing room, you're listening to instructions as a player. Do you um, do you slightly just switch off a little bit so you're not quite ready for you? It shouldn't happen, but, you know, it does, and it has, and it will. Um, but, you know, it's something we've probably just got to have a look at individually, collectively. I'm sure the staff will, will look at it. Uh, and yet you come out for the second half having... As we've just said, enjoyed a, a really good first half, and you almost gift them a goal. Which you know, goals change games. Goals change the atmosphere in the stadium. Mm. It changes the manner of body language of players. You know, they suddenly get up for it. Um, so yeah, it was just a disappointing. It was a disappointing goal in the manner of it. Uh, more so, a really disappointing time to concede. And also, something that Ian Holloway said afterwards, Scrivs, is that we need to look at how we react to going a goal behind. I mean, we're going to talk about the win against Hull City shortly, but he said he was disappointed with the reaction of his players to going a goal down. He said it's almost like they get too bothered, if you like, by going a goal down. It impacts on them too much. You were there at Carrow Road. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's am I right in saying that that was the first time this season that we had gone a goal, goal sure. down, isn't it? So, and, and as you say, Ian Holloway wasn't very pleased with the reaction from his side. So I guess it's something to um, to work on go, going forward, but... Um, as you say, we're going to touch on the whole game 
um, shortly, but uh, they, they showed some real um, character to, to come back from that game, and um, I guess he would have been pleased from the aspect of criticising them for how they responded against Norwich, and they seem mm-hmm. to have put that right against Hull. Yeah, absolutely. One of the, the challenges also at Carrow Road was after 26 minutes losing Pavel Showick, and he's such a, a key player anyway because he's so creative, he's so dangerous, he's so fast, and also he's he's a vital cog, isn't he, for the uh, formation playing as a right wing back. He's been excellent. You know, he's um, once he's been in the country now, eight, nine, ten months. You know, he seems to be really growing. Uh, last year we saw signs of what he could do and what he could offer. Uh, this season he's been outstanding. You know, I know from being at the training ground. Um, He's probably one of, if not the fittest player in the squad, you know, based on the the, the testing that all he does. Um, you know, and that's evident, you know, what he does up and down that right-hand side defensively as well as offensively has, uh, has really been key to the way we've started the uh, the season. But we certainly had our chances throughout the game. At nil-nil, um, Jake Bidwell had an early chance, didn't he, on the, yeah, on the volley? volley yeah. That's right, the far post. Uh, Jamie Mackey forced a good save as well. Luke Freeman had what's almost become his customary effort from the edge of the box. Um, and he he wasn't able to make the most of that. And then um, there was the opportunity when we were 1-0 down where Jamie Mackey, after Luar Luar's shot, it fell to him. And Mackey selflessly was looking to square it for Connor Washington and Connor couldn't just bundle it over the line. So yet again, we're creating a lot of opportunities. So disappointing 2-0 to feet, but then if you look at it, in terms of chance creation, it's encouraging once again. We're not, we're not watching QPR play at the moment and us not look dangerous. We always look a threat. Well, I think you mentioned earlier when you were speaking about the Norwich game, the last game of last season, uh, I, like 2,000 other people, left that game really down in the dumps, really disheartened, you know, but uh, getting in the car uh, on Wednesday evening... Albeit I had a long drive to Darlington. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, for Dave Thomas' golf, yeah. golf day. But um, yeah, getting in the car on Wednesday, I was really, obviously didn't like getting beat or seeing my team get beat, but I was really pleased with what I had seen for the majority of the game. You know, chances created. Uh, it was just that sort of initial few minutes in the second half. Then they score a wonder strike, which, again, uh, if you've been really critical and if you look at Smithy's reaction, he wants pressure on the ball and quite rightly so from 25 yards but it's a hell of a strike and with 10 minutes to go then the game was the game was up the, the, the Norwich had done the job and uh, you just wanted that final whistle it, But it seems the formation allows for, for creativity doesn't it? Well the formation, you know, you, there's a lot of interchanging going on, middle of the park you know, three in the middle of the park uh, are interchanging really, really well the the two strikers that uh, Ollie's started all the games with, you know, give you give you legs and can get up the side, so they're pulling defenders around. So, uh, so yeah, the formation does allow for that interchanging of players, pulling the opposition in areas that they don't want, and for us to be creating chances. And on to Hull City, and like you were saying, Scrivs, after the disappointing defeat to Norwich, and Ian Holloway saying afterwards. What disappointed him was the reaction of his players to going a goal down. We went a goal down, I have to say, against a runner play against Hull and the reaction must have pleased him. Yeah, definitely. Uh, as you say, it was against the, the runner play and um, afterwards um, Holloway uh, criticised the, the, the manner of the goal but um, he was very happy with the, with the way that his side responded to that and um, you know, to, to, get the, the, well, to get a draw would have been um, a, a good result um, as, as the match went 
went on, but to get the win was, you know, especially in the final minutes of the game. It doesn't matter what happened the 90 minutes before that, does it? When you score in the injury time, um, you know, it, can, it clouds the whole judgment. It was the best, <laughs> best performance in the world you, you've seen because you've gone home with the three points. And uh, that's why we sort of go to football for those great moments. And uh, yeah, it was fantastic to get the three points. Well, one man who definitely enjoyed the uh, the goals was uh, Mr. Sinton on a co-commentary <laughs> duty for uh, the QPR Plus Pass viewers. Um, you enjoyed both goals. Let's talk away through them. Firstly, well, let's actually talk about the changes that Ian Holloway made. We started the game yet again very well, conceded the goal, like we've said, largely against the run of play. Holloway had a couple of sighters, but nothing overly dangerous from our point of view, whereas we had looked dangerous without actually, the again, the, the final ball, the final pass quite coming off. And Luke Freeman again went so close. It was a great work move, and Connor Washington pulled the ball back for him. But in the second half, Ollie he doesn't waste time making changes. He's certainly not a manager that ums and ahs. He, he's very decisive in what he wants to do. He makes changes. He chases games, and he's, he's happy to do that. He's got the guts, if you like, to, to go out there and chase it. Because obviously, when you're a goal behind, and if you push forward too much, you can get caught out, and suddenly it can, it can look at a very different scoreline to what the performance suggests it should be. But he was brave. He brought on Matt Smith, Pavel Showick and Idrissa Silla uh, during, I think, a 10-minute spell during that second half. And what an impact they had on the game. Well, that's where, you know, you, you have to give managers credit. You know, it was very evident. Um, I had a, a great sort of vantage point on Saturday up in the gantry, you know. And from half-time, I think Hull came out and almost tried to protect what they had, you know, a 1-0 uh, lead. The, uh, Campbell came off and they put another centre-half on. So literally they were playing with five at the back, four across uh, the midfield and almost left uh, Diamante up front on his own. You could see from upper height all the avenues, all the gaps were, were closed. Uh, and I said it, um, and I'm sure many other people said it, and obviously Ollie was saying it because he did it. We needed to find a different way to what mm. we, you know, because... Their back five didn't come out. Uh, as I say, they shut up all the avenues. All the, uh, They defended deep, so there was no space in behind for us to run into. So, so those little passes, particularly our midfield It was trio, just very congested, yeah. Be tough. yeah. So I'm thinking and saying uh, that we, we we needed to find another way, and the way was probably to get wide, get crosses in the box and get the big guys on. Mm. You know, uh, that's what Ollie did. And you're quite right, certainly with Matt Swift, uh, Smith, he wasted no time. So he obviously saw that almost immediately uh, and did something about it so uh, he had like he had I think two chances yep. before the actual goal yeah, didn't yeah. he, the yeah, he put one he wide and he had a great header from Jake Bidwell put in a fantastic cross and he, he made good contact but straight at the goalkeeper so you know um, so that was going to be the way uh, you know what, you, what does a manager want from his subs he wants them to come on and make a difference or he wants them to come on and have an impact well all our subs certainly did yeah. that on Saturday um, Matt Smith's goal it was, a, it was a fine header again another great cross from Luke Freeman. I've lost count of the number of goals that Matt Smith has scored from Luke Freeman just at his time at Loftus Road. Never mind that obviously they've played together before elsewhere, but it was a great cross from Luke and a a, a very, um, it was almost a cool header. I don't actually think Matt Smith come off the ground. He just read the flight of the ball and just let the chaos around him get out of his way and he, he's just diverted it goalwards. Yeah. Uh, the key to that was Luke Freeman's delivery. You know, he, he slows the guy down, he, he moves it again, he whips in a great left foot across. That's basically saying it was centre forward, head me in. Mm. Uh, you know, looking at it, I think one of their defenders tried to get in front of Matt, but misread the flight. But fair play to Matt, stayed cool, composed, didn't take his eye off it. 
there's still a bit to do. Uh, a great header and gets us back at 1-1. Yeah, I was just going to say that we spoke to Matt afterwards and, and he said more or less that Freeman's ball into the box comes in with so much pace and so much power that it makes it so easy for him that he just literally has to get a good connection on it and a good direction on it and nine times out of ten it's going to go in the back of the net because the, the delivery is almost the goal rather than mm. the actual header. And a, a poacher's goal from Adresa Silla and a special mention for Connor Washington. He's I think it was Matt Smith's flick on that he, he got on the end of and I think some people were surprised he's gone to lob the keeper, but actually looking on replay, it was probably the, the only option available to him. If he'd have tried to nick it past him, I think that it would have hit the keeper because the keeper was right in front of him. And then once he's got the ball over him, it seems to be going out of play. And was it a, a nudge on the whole City defender? <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely not. No, it was, it was one of those goals, you know, previously, I think we've got to mention Alex Smith, he's makes a save, you know, at 1-1. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, uh, as he, we almost forget it and we're probably yeah. not going to mention it because it happens time and time again you know he's such a good goalkeeper then he launches a ball up up a field it's, it's I wouldn't say it's a pretty goal but you know uh, your, your big man goes and wins the flick Connor Washington makes a great run in behind from the left hand mm. side you know uh, he gets there the keeper's almost upon him he can only probably he's either he's got a instantaneous decision to make does he go low early yeah. or does he lift it well he chooses to lift it and it's probably going wide. But I, what, I, what I like there about Connor Washington was his desire to keep that ball alive, mm. either to score himself or to keep keep it alive. And he, he certainly lent on the guy, not a nudge. <laughs> <laughs> and again, with Adrissa Silla, he hasn't given up either. You know, he's there from three yards to, to prod yeah, at home. So it's everyone chasing almost, a, I wouldn't say a lost cause, but keeping things alive. Exactly. And that's what's interesting is people say, oh, it was a tap-in from three yards. And it was a tap-in from three yards. But... If you actually see the goal again, and this is down to you since you always point these things out to us now, but as Connor lifts the ball over, over the keeper and he's chasing onto it, Silla is stood alongside a defender and Silla starts chasing and he's way behind. The, he's not involved in the move, as it were. The defender stays on his heels. By the time the ball falls to Silla, the defender is five yards behind him and Silla's waiting to tap it in. So it's almost that people say about the poacher's instinct. And that's exactly what it was. He was chasing a ball that was never going to be his unless two or three thing, different things happened. And they all happened and he was there to tap the ball in. Typical striker, I presume. You know, he's always thinking he's got to, or he should be thinking, I've got a chance of scoring yeah. here. You know, yeah, it needs maybe that to happen, this to happen, that to happen. But if it does... I've got a goal and I win outside the game. That's what he did. Credit to him. You know, he's been out with an injury. He's got a great record of coming off the bench and scoring goals mm. here at Loftus Road or for QPR. Um, you know, so delighted for him. Delighted for the team. You know, it was a it was a great comeback. A day for, you know, finding a different way. Great character shown throughout the side. Uh, great win. And the I have to say, the... the the roof came off here. Uh, what was what was in the stadium? 14, 15,000. I don't know the exact number. But as I say, it was the, the celebrations, the atmosphere were brilliant. And a word on James Perch, who um, refused to come off for the last 15 minutes. He obviously suffered a, a bad knee injury. As we sit here now, we don't know the extent of that. And we're waiting for further details on it. But it certainly looked a, a bad injury because James Perch isn't, isn't one to stay down. You could see as soon as it happened, he was wreathing around in agony on the pitch. And at one stage, I thought, crikey, we've used all three subs. We've got Perch down. We've got Scoan down. We Smith, could, was, Smith was hobbling. From we it. could be finishing here with nine men. Um, but they, they both got up. Scoan looked like he hadn't come off as bad, certainly, as James Perch. And at one point, Ian Holloway, this was a 1-1. Ian Holloway was screaming, 
get him off the pitch, get him off the pitch. And James Hurts was coming over and having discussions and he was saying, I can still do a job, I can still help out, let me stay on. Almost begging to play through the pain barrier. It's incredible to see. You caught up with James Perch afterwards, Scribs, and he, I'd imagine he was pleased that he'd made the decision to, to stay on. But, you know, we'll wait to see what the, the outcome is of his injury, but he certainly played his part in us getting the three points without a question. Yeah, his view was just basically, well, he couldn't bear to see us go 10 v 11. And even though he might not have been the most useful on the pitch at, at the time because he couldn't move about too too freely, he just felt that he could cause at least some problems for yeah. them and, and try and help us win the game. Um, yeah, no, great commitment from him and just typified the, the whole performance really, didn't it? Yeah, and they were talk, saying in the dressing room afterwards, Ian Holloway was saying that James Purchase stayed on to basically be a body, be a nuisance, he can head it, he can kick it. He said, but his teammates kept passing it to him. <laughs> and they were joking afterwards that James Purchase was saying, why were you all kept passing it to me? I was just there to almost make up the numbers. And you kept sort of thing you do in, in a Sunday league or five a side, isn't yeah. it? Having a bit of banter with your mate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, a word on Josh Scone's performance since, because he settled in, we've spoken about him a couple of times, he settled in seamlessly and he seems to just be growing and growing each week. He's become such an important player so quickly for QPR. Yeah, he's done ever so well. Um, you know, he's all-round game. I think when we signed him, I've said it before, I think he described himself as a a rat that goes around and just breaking things up. I'm, I think he's done himself a disservice. <laughs> exactly. He's far better than that. You know, yes, he does that. You know, he fills gaps, he wins things, he breaks play off from the opposition, but he's tidy on the ball. He's good in the air for someone who's so small. He's got a decent passing range. And he's attack-minded as well. You can see when he's passing the ball, he's looking for people to be running onto it. Sometimes you see him pointing into areas, get into that area so you can be on your, on your toes as you're receiving it. And he's, he's always looking for the forward pass. He certainly isn't a, a sideways pass or, or you know just looking to retain possession. He, he's always looking to create, to do something with it, yep. isn't he? Yeah, you're spot on. As I said, he's a, he's a vital link in the team. He's, he's, he's now formed already. And listen, we're only four games in, so let's not get too carried away. But he's part of a really key energetic skillful creative midfield three that we're seeing uh, you know with uh, the likes of him Freeman and uh, Luonga and long may that continue but uh, now he's settled in really really well I really like what I see and uh, hopefully he can keep his performance levels where they are really high and just a word on Kazenga Luar Luar as well um, came out after the game that sadly his dad had passed away the day before the fixture but he insisted to Ian Holloway that he was able to play because obviously Pavel Showick was striking with a back injury uh, that he picked up against Norwich so he couldn't start so he was keen similar to James Perch wanted to to do his bit to help his teammates out help his team out he tweeted after the game I just want to say thank you for the support to QPR and to the Brighton fans last few days have been so tough for me and my family and today I wanted to help my teammates and also do it for my dad because I know he's proud of me I know today didn't go well for me Thank you to my teammates for helping me and being there for me and also QPR. Thank you so much. I very much appreciate it. It was, must have been a, a very difficult, emotional 24, 48 hours for him. Um, and we were just speaking before we came on to record the Loftcast that you've actually experienced similar yourself. Well, first of all, you know, uh, everyone at the club, uh, thoughts are with Kaz and, and all his family, you know, and the, uh, the, the, the sad times that he's going through. You mentioned myself uh, almost in a similar situation. I lost my dad very, very suddenly on a um, on a late on a Thursday night, Friday morning. So I travelled up to Newcastle, and I was managing at the time. 
and I was all set to you know stay up with my family uh, and I spoke to my brother and my mum and uh, they said oh who are you playing tomorrow so well it doesn't matter you know I'm here they went no 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 you get yourself down there you manage your team uh, and I was okay and what it did for me personally that six or seven hours on the Saturday it just shifted my attention from you know a horrible situation uh you know your your tears your thoughts your memories etc etc mm. all that's going around in your mind uh and i was just able to concentrate on on managing my team uh fortunately we won that day and and i remember just walking in the dressing room and all i could say to was my my players as a manager was just thanks for what you've done for me today uh, and walked out and basically broke down uh so it was just that little release so Cazenza, you know, our thoughts are with you. Uh, very brave, uh, you know, to, to to have that thrust upon you. Then say you want to play. And that shows how much he cares. You know, he's he sang last last season. Injuries didn't allow anyone to see the best. He's probably thinking he's got a chance of playing. So he wants to play. Then he gets that. And mm. you could quite forgive him for just pulling out. You of, course. Know, of course you could. Uh, but no, again, it's the commitment that's running through the squad. Uh, to wanting to pull the shirt on, to wanting to play, yet he didn't have the greatest games, and I wasn't aware until after the game what was going on. Um, but no, we have to just pat him on the back and say, "You're one of us. You're part of our family. You're part of our team, and we'll give you every bit of support that you need." And the referee Chris Sargentson blows the final whistle. A night of real disappointment for Queens Park Rangers. They tried to get themselves back in it, but they never really recovered from conceding three goals in the first 32 minutes. It's ended Queen's Park Rangers 1, Brentford 4. Well, Ned and we'll speak about Cardiff City in a moment. Just firstly, you weren't involved in the, uh, the cup game against Brentford. A, a disappointing result. Ten changes were made for the game. It's obviously a, a hectic period with fixtures, but obviously a, a disappointing result. Yes, it certainly was. Yeah, you know, we wanted to uh, wanted to progress in the cup, and especially against our local rivals, a, a big result would have been a massive boost. But I think at the end of the day, a lot of people have managed to get some more minutes under the belt now. So hopefully, going into the Cardiff game, there's going to be a great competition for places because these people are like really available now. And. You look at our opponents on Saturday, Cardiff City, they lost at home to Burton Albion as well. I dare say Neil Warnock made changes for that game. So it is at this period of time, particularly in the Championship, with the way the fixtures are and the fact that we enter in the first round, the fixtures are so hectic that it is something that managers have to take into account. Yeah, most definitely. You know, you get you managers are picking squads now. It's not just a case of just 11 players that will get you through the entire season. You have a squad and you... You know, you'd be. I think you'd be foolish if you didn't if you didn't use it, especially in a month where you've got, well, potentially had seven games, and that's in the space of was it just three weeks or just over. So, you know, you, sh- you have to share the workload out, and people will obviously be disappointed when they don't play on a Saturday. In the same way, say I was disappointed that I didn't play tonight because it would have been a big game. But it's a, I think at times in football you think bigger picture, and it's something that definitely had to be done. A rare rest for Ned and Manua. Did you enjoy the rest? Did your body enjoy the rest? I'm not really used to that, to be honest. <laughs> I think the last uh, game I was on the bench for properly... Well, sorry, I think I was on the bench around December time last year. And then the time before that was Sunderland in the Cup. And before that, I couldn't even tell you, to be honest. I think I must have been must have had a few fewer grey hairs and stuff like that last time that happened but it was a it's a different perspective but there are quite a few things you, you sort of take on board from seeing it from that side instead of being caught in the madness for 90 minutes so 
think even though I've not played, and same for a few other people, you've, you've gained a little bit of knowledge about what we need to do to try and do better. Heading into the game against Cardiff City, league-wise we've been in excellent form and it's not just been the results that have given so much encouragement, it's the performances as well. As the, the captain at the back there, you must take great pride from what you're seeing happening in front of you. Yeah, most definitely. I think at the back it feels like we're a good side. Mm. You know, there have been times when we've been playing and we've been really stretched out and all over the place and you're just trying to look for some level of structure or like a good feeling somewhere and it's not necessarily been there, but in the last few games, you know, even though we lost at Norwich, I was, I, it felt weird losing at Norwich because I felt like we, we probably should have won and could have won. So going into any game, you know, obviously Cardiff are top of the league and they're doing very well, but I'm very confident we can give them a very good game and it's not really anyone who you think to yourself, oh, you know, we might struggle here or struggle there. I think teams playing against us now are going to find it difficult. And what about yourself? You know, you've, uh, I know it's a team game, but we're just talking about you now. Are you, are you pleased with your own performances to start the season? Because for me, I've been to every game, been on commentary, you've been excellent as a defensive unit, but yourself personally have been really good. Yes, yeah, uh, I, I do feel like I've started well. Um, I worked very hard over the uh, off-season. I wasn't able to go on holiday like everyone else because I, I had a child. But, you know, sort of put things into perspective and, I worked, as I say, I worked very hard. And then pre-season was obviously notoriously very difficult because he likes hills and things like that as a manager. So, you know, that was me well out of my comfort zone. But then as well, we've worked on a lot of tactical stuff. And there's been time. There have been times, rather, over the few weeks before the season started, where you'd have to spend less time involved in the physical side, and you had to really get involved in the mental side and really understand what he wanted, because that's something which he made a point of this year. That it's essential to know what your role is, and that's from the keeper all the way through to the strikers. And I think the reason we have played so well individually and collectively is because people do understand their role, and it's a role that suits me and suits everybody else. So I think that's why you see in a shine. Are you enjoying the formation because, OK, he's got to make changes as the game develops and as things change, but it seems there's such an understanding from the first whistle and that arguably is helping us start on the front foot. Yes, it is, yeah. I think as well, um, we, I think we're more aggressive in the way that we do start. You know, very rarely now do we drop off and let a team get into their rhythm. It's a case of you get right in their faces now and see what they can do. I think at some point, you know, you might come up against a really side who loves that. Mm. But more often than not, you know, it makes people feel uncomfortable. And especially when you're at home, you do that. The fans get on your side. Their fans start to get nervous. They start to get nervous. And before you know it, you know, you're in a very good position. And what do you make of the three midfielders that have been playing, by and large, <coughs> in the league in front of you? They seem to have developed a, a real understanding and a partnership. Yeah, the, uh, the dogs in there, yeah. They're, um, <laughs> you know, they're all, all three of them are really good players. Really good players in attack, but they also know the defensive responsibilities as well and their ability to cover the yards and just cover the ground and cover people in general. You know, they're not, there's no one that's out there playing for themselves. Every move that someone is doing is in relation to somebody else or like a, another group of, group of players. And I think when, you, when you're like that, everything, it just, it just it's, it's nice, it fits together because you know that you're never going out and you're going to be left for dead because you always know that it's all part of something greater. Neil Warnock's Cardiff City on Saturday. Obviously, you played under Neil Warnock here at QPR, so you've got an idea of what to expect from his team. And of course, you know Mr. Hoylett very well as well. Yes, I do. Yeah, it's. Um, I don't think anyone really enjoys playing against Neil Warnock side, to be honest. And you know, for a little period of time, I was I was part of that as well. Yeah, he's, he's obviously got his side playing playing well and playing to their strengths, which is why they've managed to win the games that they've that they have won. And you know, you never expect an easy game against them and against the Warnock side and you know, he's at Cardiff and they're a good side as well and a good football club. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be tricky and obviously Junior's in good form as well. But, you know, I'll do everything I can to kick him into the stands and keep him away from here. <laughs>
<laughs> but obviously the way we've started you know it's uh, it's a, it's going to be a big test but it's a it's a test i'm sure you're looking forward to and a test you and the boys and the manager probably going with full of optimism you know their run is going to come to an end sooner or later so uh, why not saturday yeah exactly you know we're, we're not going there to try and you know just narrowly lose or draw we're going into games looking to win and you know if we do come away with the win i think it'll just be a nice another nice little step in the direction that we're all hoping to be at, um by the time we get to the end of the season and just finally, it'd be great to go into the international break, wouldn't it, with a, a positive result up at the Cardiff City Stadium to wrap up what's been a, a fine start to the league campaign? Yeah, most definitely. I think we had a positive result there last season, so you're going in there with good feeling and good memories. And you know, if you can provide some more, then you know, you're going into September thinking, well, what, what could we do this season? And before we start looking ahead to Cardiff City this weekend, since the forever are something that's taken up a, a lot of your time, but I know it's something that you do enjoy. It's incredible how it's developed over the last 12 months or so. So many inductees and it's, it's always such a special reaction. They all get all and the, you can have players come out like Brian Bedford, who, you know, a, a vast majority inside the stadium won't have seen him play. And he seems to get as big a reception as a David Seaman or a, a more modern day hero or legend, if you will. But it's been something that's greatly appreciated by the QPR fans. I know it's something you enjoy getting your teeth stuck into. And September the 9th against Ipswich Town here at Loftus Road as we celebrate 100 years since we first started playing here at this stadium. That's going to be a, a special occasion as I think that the first game at this stadium was on September the 8th, um, 1917. So that's the closest we can get um, fixture-wise. And uh, you're going to have a, a few former friends back at Loftus Road. Yeah, we're going to have a big, uh, a big contingent. You know, uh, initially it was just going to be uh, another game as far as the Forever Eyes are concerned, with just two or three uh, new inductees. Then we thought about maybe getting an eleven. Um, then we thought about, you know, why not invite everyone who's been inducted so far over the past year. You know, we've we've inducted uh, fifty plus, both in person and posthumously. Um, so you know, we, we we thought about inviting them back. So we. That's what we've done. And also, you've always said that it's not a case of invite you back, have your five minutes on the pitch, wave, and thank you very much, see you later, now move on to the next one. It's, it's a case of re-engaging with these players and making them feel a part of the club, not just for that afternoon, but going forward. And this is a perfect demonstration of that. It's a case of, okay, you were here a couple of months ago, a couple of weeks ago, six months ago. Well, we, we want you back again. Yeah, very much so. More so for the 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 older players as well. Uh, I I look at them when they when they come back and it, you know, it excites them again. It gives them something to look forward to. They love being in amongst former teammates. Um, yeah, I see them when they're back. You know, the, the the fans are waiting outside, or in the stadium, in the boxes, in the hospitality lounges when they ask for pictures. You know, sign autographs. It just rekindles their memories, and I'm sure. Well, I'm not sure. I know it makes them feel appreciated and really special again. And quite rightly should be that. That's the case. And you know, what I really like seeing as well is, for instance, again, Brian Bedford. To use him as an example, as he came out, he's got his grandkids there, and I can see the buzz they're getting at seeing their granddad because they will never have seen him. Certainly at QPR, exactly. Yeah. Get that reception. Get that moment where he walks out and he gets a, a big cheer and 
just looking at you know his, his kids, his grandkids having that moment as well. I just think it's it's great, and it's something they'll always remember as much as Brian Bedford enjoyed it, and he'll remember it. You, you know that his his family's seen it; it will stick in their minds as well. Yeah, it's great for the families. You know, we we actually behind the scenes we have quite a I wouldn't say quite, but we've we've, we've had tears of you know it's it's quite emotional for them because mm. some of them haven't seen it. as a player sometimes. How can I say this? It almost becomes the norm or what you've been used to for the families to see their yeah. dad, granddad, the husband or whatever really celebrated in that way individually. It's uh, it's quite a special moment. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, long may that continue. But, yeah, against Ipswich so far, I think we've got about 23, 24 already forever. Our inductees coming back. Obviously, everyone can't come back because people are working, people live overseas, etc., etc., uh, family commitments so we won't get everyone back but we're trying to get as many as we possibly can okay and turn into this weekend's game then against cardiff city well what can we expect i think we know what we can expect based <laughs> on what we've seen so far from cardiff they have made a, a sensational start winning four out of four um they do look like they're going to be a, a force this season yeah definitely i don't think um anyone would have predicted them to to be top of the table after this point when you look at some of the money that some of the teams mm. have um, supposedly spent in this division this season so um, yeah to, to, for them to have had uh, four wins from four against some of the sides that you probably would have fancied to have uh, been top of the table at this point um, yeah they're going they're going really well under Neil Warnock who um, as we know knows this division inside out yeah and they've uh, an interesting statistic as well for the Bluebirds they've, in those four games They've scored eight and only conceded one. So um, they're pretty impressive at both ends of the pitch. Yeah, they're flying. You know, four out of four. You've got Neil, uh, you know, the Neil Warnock factor as well. Um, he'd love to, he, well, he likes to win any game, but he would love to be beating QPR. But, you know, I flipped that round. Uh, you know, what an opportunity for us, QPR, to go to Cardiff and inflict their first defeat or take points off them you know and keep our run going so uh, so that's the way I see but yeah really good side you know powerful uh, Neil certainly has this unbelievable ability to get the best out of players that he's got he's picked up you know we're just talking on uh, before you know about uh, Mendes Lang he's picked him up on a free from Rochdale I think you told mm. me or we mentioned you know and he's, he's banged in goals so uh, so yeah it's going to be a really a really tough game um, full house good atmosphere but what a time for us to go then spoil the party. How does Ian Holloway approach this tactically? I mean, so far in all the league games, certainly his approach has been the same. It's b largely been the same personnel, certainly the same formation that we've started with and the same approach. Press them, get on the front foot and harry them and hassle them deep in their own half. Make them make mistakes seems to be the... The uh, the simplified approach, shall I say, I'm sure it's far more complex than that. But from a, a simplified approach, it does seem to be a case of get on them, don't give them a moment's rest, and you've got the fitness to be able to keep that up. Whoever you're playing, you know, whether the top of the league, middle of the table, bottom, whatever division, you have to respect uh, the opposition. You have to know their strengths and weaknesses. But within that, can you impose your way of playing, your uh, formation, if you like? your better players can they come out on top against certain players and win their individual battles all over the pitch and if you can do that you'll invariably have a better chance unless you're unlucky of winning games you know if you if you if you break it down manager used to say to me years ago if you break it down individual battles across the pitch 
11 v 11. Usually to win a game you'll need 7 or 8 of your guys to come out on top in their individual battle. If you have that, unless you're unlucky, you've got a good chance of winning the game. If you've only got 3 or 4, unless you're lucky, yeah. you'll probably not win the game. If you have 5 or 6 and snip and tuck, well that's when the game's in the balance. So... Uh, so that's that's the way I think Ollie will approach it. I don't think he needs to change anything. You know, certainly doesn't need to change the approach. Uh, approach, get at them, get in their faces, stop them playing, play on the front foot, and uh, let's see what happens. But uh, now I'm looking forward to it. Take a point, Scribs. Um, I think any away game, you'd probably say take a point. A, a team who have started so well, yeah. then, then I think yeah, you probably would. But um, I don't think you want to go there with the mindset of mm. let's take let's take a point and let's go there and and try and get all three. But I think a point would be a good result. Yeah, and if he again, if you were to take a point or take all three, it'd be brilliant. But to take something from the game, it sends you into the international break on such a high. When you look back at the the five league games we've had, the opposition we've faced. And to come through that would potentially eight or ten points would be would be such a lift for everyone. That would be incredible. Uh, be a fantastic start of the season. Um, albeit the season very 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 early. Uh, but no, I so say you, you you go to Cardiff full of optimism, uh, full of hope. Uh, and can we throw the gauntlet down to them? You know, we are QPR. This is the way we played. The onus is on Cardiff. But do we take a point? A couple of weeks ago, I would have took a point at Sheffield Wednesday. But got in the car thinking, could add all three today. But you'd still take the point. So as we're sitting here now, go to Cardiff. We'll take a point. But we're not going there to get a point. 